0: Good morning. Blimey loud. Everybody's doing well. Welcome to worship. Glad you're here to join us this day. And we would ask you to take out your bulletins, go over a few announcements before we get started. And as always, the tear-off portion on your bulletin, we'd ask you to, if you're a guest, fill that out, put in the offering plate as It goes by in uh, a few minutes, and we'd love to follow up with you anything you'd like to know about Mechanicsville Baptist. On the yellow side at the bottom is the place for prayer requests. Put your prayer requests on there and put them in the offering plate as well. We Love to pray for you as we do on Tuesdays. On the back are opportunities for the week and I want to start with a big thank you for last Sunday for everybody who came to our spaghetti auction and helped with the food and who purchased our youth and participants to raise money for their trips and it was a wonderful day and everyone is very thankful for uh, your contributions, and part of that was, was put to good use as we got back from camp this last week. We got back yesterday, and we went to Asheville at Ridgecrest, and we also did a Salvation Army Vacation Bible School for underprivileged kids in Asheville. And uh, our group served about 100, 100 plus kids, and they did a wonderful job. And many, many special uh, moments were had. And so you can be very thankful that part of what we do here in our service has reached some children uh, in Asheville, as well as we go to the Dominican Republic in just 11 days. So keep us in prayer and look forward to God working in tremendous ways there too. Today... We do have a very, very, very brief meeting for VBS. It's not really a meeting. If you were not able to make the last one, I have your teaching materials. If you're a teacher, if you're a craft leader, if you're a music person, uh, any of the the people on here who have not gotten their materials, I will give those to you right after this service. And then um, this Wednesday, we remind that offices are closed for July 4th, so enjoy your day there. Uh, anything else before we get to Elf Karen and the fancy hat? All right. Bring it up. This hat is spectacular. I have to look away. It's so good I might want to take it from her. All right.
1: This is This is your patriotic elf. Merry Christmas. It's- It's Operation Christmas Child Time in July. Have you used paper today? Have you written any notes? Have you made your to-do list? Have you had an occasion to use a pencil or a pen? These were just the ones that were in my pocketbook this morning. This month, For our Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes, we are collecting school supplies. We take these things for granted. They're all over our home. There's paper whenever we wanna write a note. These needy children don't have that advantage. I read a story where uh, two sisters only had one pencil in their home so their father cut it in half and sharpened it with sharpened each one with a with a knife, so that they could go to school. They had one notebook and they ripped that apart so that they had the paper they needed for school. So look for those sales in the month of July; they've already begun. Don't spend a lot of money. Look for those fifty cent um, pencil sharpeners pens and pencils and glue sticks and pads of paper, Um, not bottles of glue, please, just the glue sticks, rulers, notebooks. Look for those 17-cent notebooks, and they will round over the top or round on the bottom of your shoe boxes without a problem. So that's what we'll bring for the needy children that will open the doors, for them hearing about Jesus and learning about his love. School supplies and pads of paper in the month of July. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Karen. And we have a box out here to put all those supplies in. please do bring supplies for uh, our shoeboxes. All right, we're going to do our call to worship, and it's going to be, a little different. There she is over there. It's Brenda, everybody. Wave to Brenda. Hello. There we go. Um, What we're going to do is, as Linda's not here, she's going to play Worthy of Worship, and if you have your hymnals, you can sing along, and we're going to use this time to greet one another. So Worthy of Worship, stand up and grab a hand and sing along as you know this song pretty well. All right, go ahead. The may be seated. Romans chapter 8. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and your truth and the power that is within. And God, we trust that you are here with us and that in all things, no matter what happens in this life, that you have given us the victory through Christ. God, we give you all the praise, and we do pray uh, this day as we bring to you this service, that it brings you honor and glory because you are worthy. You are more than worthy of praise. So God, may your Holy Spirit dwell, and may you guide and direct. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. If you would stand back up and turn in your hymnals to Hymn 521, Faith is the Victory, 521. The world, his banner over us, is love, our sword, the word of God. We tread the road that saints above, with shouts of triumph drawn. By faith, they like a whirlwind's breath, swept on over every field, the faith by which they conquer death. Still, our shining shoe and faith is a victory, faith is a victory. a victory faith is a victory oh glorious victory that overcomes the world and you may be seated
2: Jesus determined early on in his ministry the cost of the forgiveness of our sins. And so in the upper room that night, Jesus was prepared. But his disciples were not so prepared. And that's why he said to them, let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. He wanted them to see that in order to walk into the future, they would need faith. But isn't it always good to have something to hold on to? Something that reminds us of who we are, where we have come from, and where we are going. And Jesus understood that. And so he gave to his disciples something that was very common to them, but gave it an extraordinary meaning. He wanted them to have faith. He wanted them to have faith in the faithfulness of God and faith in what was about to occur because he called to them. And he reminded them that if he were to go and prepare a place for them, that he would come again. And so what you hold in your hands is a reminder of the faithfulness of God to us and is a challenge to us to be faithful to him. So on the same night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took bread and when he had broken it and blessed it, he gave it to his disciples and said, For as often as you eat this, remember me. After they had eaten, he took the cup and he said, This is the new covenant in my blood, for as often as you drink it, remember me. The Apostle Paul reminds us that for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Our offertory hymn this morning is hymn number 509, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. Will you stand as we sing?
3: Dark maze I tread, and griefs all around me spread. solemn stream shall
4: sung the song this morning he is worthy do you truly believe that in your heart that he's worthy because if you're not sure about it pinch yourself because he has allowed you to, to come through another week he's allowed us to assemble ourselves here on another sunday he is worthy to be praised can we clap our hands this morning and give god some honor and praise for that he is worthy As we come to our time of tithes and offerings, keep in mind that giving is not just in financial. It's everything that we do, we do to the glory of God outside of these four walls and throughout our jobs and throughout the streets. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given to us this morning. Lord, you've allowed us to arise once more and again and assemble ourselves in your house of prayer. We come this morning, O Lord, because you are worthy to be praised. Father, we come to offer our tithes and offerings, and we ask, O God, that you bless the giver and the giver, and we ask, Lord, that these tithes and offerings be used for the upbuilding of thy kingdom. Use them, O Lord, in a way that glorifies you and allows us, O Lord, to to upbuild your kingdom and to edify your house, a prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.
2: Several of you have asked me about Jim Wright. Jim Wright had uh, catheterization. Uh, on, uh, he was supposed to have it one day, and they delayed it because of an emergency in the cath lab, and so he didn't have it until uh, Thursday. Uh, I'm assuming he's gone home. I did not hear back, but I know that several of you had asked about Jim, and that was the case with him. They, uh, he had entered the hospital with some chest pains, and so uh, they were going to do catheterization to uh, ruled in or out anything that might be occurring in his heart. So um, I wanted to several asked me coming up the steps uh, about that. so I wanted to fill you in on Jim and continue to pray for him. I think he's fine, but uh, just needed a little attention uh, and was hospitalized. So let's bow for prayer. Eternal God, as we come before you today, we give thanks for the freedom that we have to gather in this place. And for our forefathers so many years ago, who gave of themselves so that through their sacrifices we could be free today. We are grateful, Father, that we live in a land of liberty and freedom. We're thankful, Father, that we pause to remember these days so that we'll never forget the price that is paid for freedom. We're grateful, Father, that as we gather in this place, that we do so because we have freedom for religion. Freedom to gather and to worship you as our hearts desire. And as we are led to do so. We pray for our country. We pray for unity in our country. We pray, Father, that you would put your hand upon us And lead us in the right direction. Help us to place our faith in you. We pray for our leaders. And for the difficult tasks they face in leading our country. We pray for wisdom and courage to do what is right in your sight. We're grateful, Father, that as we come here, we do so with the full assurance that you hear our prayers. We pray for those who are in need, for those who have been hospitalized, for those who are recuperating at home, for those who are sick, for those who are grieving. We know, Father, that as we place our faith in you, that your faithfulness is ever before us. We pray, Father, as the disciples prayed, that you would increase our faith. We pray for our missionaries... We pray, Father, that as you are faithful to them, that they can feel the power of your presence in their ministries. And that lives can be transformed and changed all over the world. We are grateful, Father, for our military and for the protection they provide around the world. We pray for their safety. We pray for their families, Father, who sometimes are separated for many months. We pray that you would minister to them. Comfort them. Help us, Father, to know how to pray. Teach us to pray. Give to us, Father, a greater understanding of the work that you have for us as followers of you. We pray, Father, for one another in here this morning. We all have needs and concerns, anxieties and fears and worries. Help us, Father, to give them to you. We're thankful for your word. For in your word we find meaning and purpose. Bless us, Father, as we open your word in a few moments. Speak to us as we willingly listen. In the name of Jesus, amen. i Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Isaiah chapter 7. As we look at this story and see the struggles of Ahaz and how they can compare to our struggles in a different time, but we read verses 1 through 9 of Isaiah chapter 7. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim, so his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Shershebub, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands for the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria and the son of Remelia.'" Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remalia have plotted evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves, and set a king over them, the son of Tabeel. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin, Within sixty-five years Ephraim will be broken, so that it will not be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramelia's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. A holy man was engaged in his morning meditation. He noticed that the river was rising, and a scorpion caught in the roots was about to drown. He crawled out on the roots and reached down to free the scorpion. But every time he did so, the scorpion struck back at him an observer came along and said to the holy man don't you know that's a scorpion and it's in the nature of a scorpion to want to sting to which the holy man replied that may well be but it is my nature to save and i must change and i must and must i change my nature because the scorpion does not change its nature all of us face opposition at times, there are people with whom we do not get along well. We need not to label enemies the people who oppose us, but we will have some conflict. It's a part of life. Someone has said that the quality of person is known by the enemies he or she makes. The Bible has much to say about relations with enemies, chiefly, how to turn an enemy into a friend. We can neutralize an enemy with love. Jesus stated this in the Sermon on the Mount, and Paul affirmed the same truth in Romans chapter 12. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in The Cost of Discipleship, The only way to overcome our enemy is by loving him. The will of God to which the law gives expression is that men should defeat their enemies by loving them. That's a tall order. That's difficult for us to do. In order to protect themselves against the threat of Assyria, certain small nations formed a coalition just prior to 735 B.C. The leaders in the movement were Rezin of Damascus and Pekah of Samaria. Pressure was exerted to force King Ahaz of Judah to join the coalition, but when he refused to do so, he was attacked by Pekah and Rezin. Their objective apparently was to replace him with a puppet king who would cooperate with them. Because of his youth and inexperience, Ahaz was terrified at the presence of invading troops on his soil. It was perhaps at this time that he resorted to the extreme measure of sacrificing one of his own sons, hoping to avert the wrath of God. But actually, we must go a step further when we speak of our enemies. We cannot defeat our enemies by loving them unless we first love God and trust Him explicitly for every situation. And this is where Ahaz fell short. He became dependent on his own nature, his own understanding, his own way of doing things and forgot the faithfulness of God. The love that neutralizes enemies is an expression of the love that changes people. And Ahaz lacked trust in God. Isaiah demonstrated this truth in a dramatic confrontation with Ahaz, the king of Judah. Tiglath-Pileser, III of Assyria, had armed for war. Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, king of Israel, had formed an alliance. They wanted Ahaz to join the alliance, but he refused, so they marched on him. Ahaz knew of only one thing to do in his mind. Strip his treasury, send tribute to the Assyrian king, make himself his vassal, and ask for help. Isaiah knew of this plan and deplored it. So with God's urging, he confronted Ahaz while he was inspecting the water supply, possibly preparing for a siege. This was a confrontation between a fearless man of faith, Isaiah, and an unbelieving coward, Ahaz. Ahaz may have believed in God, but he did not believe in what God could do. And you see, that's our difficulty so many times. We give lip service to God. We say we believe in God, but we lack the faith to allow God to do what He can do in our lives. We have a way of wanting to do it ourselves. This was a crucial moment in the history of Judah. God had indeed promised that David would never like a son to sit upon the throne, but now the very existence of the house of David was being threatened. Pekah and Rezin intended to dethrone Ahaz and replace him with ben who was otherwise unknown and whose name probably means, if translated into English, good for nothing. And so this is the case that is before us. Assuredly though, our foes are different. Our enemies are different. Your greatest problem may be your own attitudes. Unbelief, doubt, skepticism. Your fiercest foe may be your marriage mate whom one writer has called the intimate enemy. Your fiercest foes may be those who surround you. You may be dealing with misunderstandings and mistrust that can cause skirmishes with fellow workers. Your greatest foe may be spiritual. You cannot seem to find peace. Or perhaps you face a real foe, an enemy, a person who hates you and is out to get you. There are all kinds of enemies in our lives that we confront at different times in our lives. And many of those enemies, at least I have found in my experience, are within. What can we do when we face these foes? We are long past being scared of Assyrians, but perhaps other things cause fear. You can face your foe with the same weapon Isaiah used to try to bring Ahaz to his senses. Isaiah tried to convince Ahaz of the belief in the faithfulness of God. It may not always seem that way to us, but God is always faithful to us. We are here this morning, as Dwight reminded us, because God in His mercy allowed us to be here. It's important for us to understand what we are up against and who is on our side. You can face your foe with faith, not fear. Isaiah's challenge to Ahaz was firmly rooted in the faith of the covenant that God had made with his people, that he would be their God and they would be his people. Isaiah attempted to persuade Ahaz to trust God to deliver him. The prophet's advice was good religion and good politics. It was good religion because the appropriate response to the crisis was faith, not feverish activity and anxiety over the defenses of Jerusalem. Ahaz was doing what many of us do. We busy ourselves with things that are unimportant when we become afraid. It was good politics because it was based on, upon a sound appraisal of the political situation. The prophet knew the weakness of pica and resin and called their threat a bluff. He referred to them disdainfully as these two smoldering stumps of firebrands which meant that they were all smoke and no fire. They were just blowing smoke. But we have the same choice that Ahaz had. We can face life with faith or we can face life with fear. And I have found in my life that fear has a way of paralyzing us. It keeps us from doing what God is calling us to do. We can face each day with faith or fear. Henry Ward Beecher once said, every tomorrow has two handles. You can take hold of it with the handle of anxiety or you can take hold of it with the handle of faith. In a play on words, Isaiah's words to Ahaz can be summarized by saying, if your faith is not sure, your throne will not be secure. There's a sermon in that phrase. But what was the content of that faith? What was the content of this promise to which Isaiah was appealing? It was the promise that God would bring an ideal king in the Davidic line and the kingdom would last forever. It found ultimate fulfillment in Christ and the kingdom of God. And nothing can defeat it. Paul reminds us that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have this promise too. But too often we act like Ahaz and react in fear, not faith. We run from the truth. We run from reality. We do whatever we can do because it's within our nature psychologically to have fight or flight. And many times when it's time to fight, we fly. John Bright has written, This cowardly little man of unfaith is a veritable paradigm of our want of faith. Piously affirming the promises on Sunday, lifting songs of praise to God, halfway believing in fair weather, mechanically parroting I believe, I believe, yet when the chips are down, believing not at all. Preferring trust and institutional power, money, physical growth, programs of good works and political action, alliances with the existing order, anything that may serve to establish our position before the world. And feeling that a trust in the gospel and its promises would be just a little naive in this day and time. The gospel has saved us. We don't save the gospel. That message is the transforming power in your life and in mine. You can face your foe with fight, not fancy. How many times would you have been much better off and not nearly so agitated had you just known the facts? We live in a world where the facts are fleeting, aren't they? With the social media and all of the things that we have at our fingertips to tell us what we should know and what we should not know, we sometimes are confused about what is real and what is fantasy, what is fact and what is fiction. The facts in this case were these. resin and pika were nothing but burned out firebrands, smoking embers. Ahaz really had very little to fear from them. They were about done with. The future was with God. Isaiah advised Ahaz on a realistic political appraisal. The alliance could not last and go on. Good religious principles, the appropriate response to the crisis was to give your faith and your trust to God. How many times in your life have you dreaded something, perhaps a conference with your boss or a supervisor, only to find it a pleasant experience? How many times have you built up in your mind the possible negative response of someone to an idea of yours only to discover that it was positive? How many times have you assigned motives to others and anticipated their answers only to find that they were receptive to you? How many times have you carefully worked out your excuses and countered the arguments only to find your first statement accepted at face value? Things come out much better when you deal with fact, not fancy. The Washington Senators were playing the New York Giants for the World Series championship in 1924. There are no Washington Senators anymore in the New York Giants or the San Francisco Giants, but this was in 1924. The Senators were leading by one run, but the Giants had one man on base in the last inning. There were two outs, and the count against the Giants' pitcher pinch hitter was three balls and two strikes. At this tense moment, the Washington catcher, Gabby Harnett, called timeout for a conference with the famous fastball pitcher, Walter Johnson. Gabby suggested that the pitcher go through his famous windup, but conceal the ball in his glove and never throw it. The plan was followed, and by striking the catcher's mitt, Gabby caused the umpire to call strike three. And he had never thrown the ball. The batter challenged the umpire, implying that the ball had missed the plate by a foot. how the facts would have helped in that situation. We couldn't do that anymore, could we, because of instant replay? They'd have figured that one out. You can face your foe with a future, not folly. But in facing your foe with a future, it may take a struggle to get there. Fifty-six men signed the Declaration of Independence. Their conviction resulted in untold sufferings for themselves and their families. Of the 56 men, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ship sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in poverty. At the Battle of Yorktown, the British General Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home for his headquarters. Nelson quietly gave consent to General George Washington to open fire on the Nelson home. The home was destroyed and Nelson died Bankrupt. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and mill were destroyed. For over a year he lived in forests and caves, returning home only to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, he died of exhaustion. Yet these men did what they did for the sake of the future. A future free from oppression. Isaiah pointed to the future. The future was with God. He had with him at the time his son, Sher Sher Shershubb was a living oracle. I had to practice that name 15 times yesterday to make sure I could say it. His name meant a remnant shall return. His presence on this occasion was perhaps intended as a warning to Ahaz that if he did not rely upon God in this crisis, his nation would be severely judged so that only a remnant of its people would escape. God ruled the future and the future was for the faithful. You notice even in the prophecy there was hope. There would always be people who would place their faith in God. And Isaiah reminded Ahaz of this principle by bringing his son, whose name meant a remnant shall return. As I said earlier, verse 9 has a play on words. Literally, it is if you do not stand firm in trust, you will not be stood firm. In your position, if you do not hold fast, surely you will not stand fast. When you act in faith, you have a future. With God, there is a future. And Ahaz needed to be reminded that his future did not rest in burned out, washed up leaders, it lived and reigned with God. According to George Beverly Shea, the last words broadcast over an English-language radio station in China before the communist takeover were, If we could see beyond today as God can see, If all the clouds should roll away, the shadows flee, Or present griefs we would not fret, each sorrow we would soon forget, For many joys are waiting yet. In 1999... John F. Kennedy Jr. flew his small airplane from New York City to his family home in Massachusetts for a wedding. On board was was his wife, Carolyn, and her sister. Though Kennedy was a licensed pilot, he had not yet been approved for instrument flight using instruments to navigate. When their takeoff was delayed until after dark, Kennedy should have waited for daylight or sought a more experienced pilot to help. Yet Kennedy took off in the darkness. The plane never reached its destination and all three passengers were killed in the crash. Investigators determined that the crash was likely caused by disorientation from flying over open water at night without any landmarks or visible horizon. Kennedy's lack of experience may well have led him to trust what he thought he was seeing more than what his instrument panel was telling him. All of us face that temptation to walk according to sight instead of faith. Faith in God will keep us from crashing. Human reason will fail us at times, but God never fails. His word keeps us on the right course as long as as we will obey it. With faith in God, you can face any foe and come out victorious. It's easy to say, but harder to put into practice. Can't you imagine Ahaz as he felt under siege by those who had surrounded him and were forcing him to do something that he didn't want to do, and yet he tried to do it to survive? And all the while, in that process, he forgot the one who had put him there. He forgot the faithfulness of God. Never let it be said of us that we forget the faithfulness of God. Never let it be said of us that we did not put all of our faith in Him as we journey into the future. Because only in Him... Are we given the promise that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. That's our hope. Where is your faith in times of trouble? Shall we pray? Oh, Father, we thank you for this story of faith and the lack thereof in Scripture. We're thankful, Father, that it is recorded for us to learn from and to be challenged by. We pray as the disciples pray, increase our faith. Help us, Father, to be dependent on you, whatever may come. Help us, Father, to see clear through your eyes. As we seek to serve you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our hymn of invitation is number 500. Trust and obey. That was the message of Ahaz. Or to Ahaz from Isaiah. The invitation is open to anyone who would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you know you have not been obedient, ask God to help you in faith to walk with Him. The invitation is open as we stand and sing hymn number 500.
3: we walk with the lord in the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our way let us do (coughs) trust and obey FOR THERE'S NO OTHER WAY TO BE HAPPY IN JESUS, BUT TO TRUST AND OBEY. NOT A BURDEN WE BEAR, NOT A SORROW WE SHARE, BUT OUR toil HE DOTH RICHLY REPAY. Not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but it's blessed if we trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey, trust and obey. For there's no other way To be happy in Jesus But to trust and obey Then in fellowship sweet We will sit at his feet Or we'll walk by his side in the way what he says we will do where he sins we will go never fear only trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in jesus but to trust
2: and obey Thank you for being here <clears throat> on this hot Sunday. But remember January when it was so cold? We're never satisfied, are we? It's either too hot or too cold. Um, I wanted to tell you that next Sunday we will have baptism in the second service. We have one. Stephanie Overbeck will be baptized. And also we will be doing a commissioning service for our Dominican Republic uh, team that will be leaving us, and so I hope that you'll come and be a part of that time. Lots of our folks are away for the 4th of July week at the beach in different places. My wife Janet is in uh, St. Augustine with her girlfriends that she went to college with on her yearly trip, so I pray for her safe return on Thursday, and I'm bachelor, which means I get to eat whatever I want to eat and <laughs> don't have to hear anybody complaining about what I'm eating, and um, it all works out well for me in that regard. But uh, the other thing I want to tell you, I told you a couple of weeks ago that Janet and I are going to be grandparents, so we know it's going to be a daughter, granddaughter. We found that out on Wednesday, a little girl, due December the 13th. So I want, i told them in the first service, so uh, I have to be fair and tell you all too about that. This is Benevolent Sunday because it's the first Sunday of the month. Remember, the offering you give goes partially to MSAF and then partially to uh, the church here so that we can help people who have needs in this time of year Uh, even though it's summertime, you would think that the needs would die down. They actually sometimes get worse because of higher electric bills related to uh, air conditioning and so forth, that people get themselves in a fix and then can't get out of it. And so uh, if you're willing to support that offering, there will be uh, deacons at the door to receive that offering. Thank you again for being here, and let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we leave today, we leave asking that you increase our faith. Help us, Father, to face anything that may come up this week with faith in you. As we seek, Father, to serve you, as you have served us by giving us your all through Jesus Christ. As we leave, Father, keep us ever mindful of your grace, of your mercy, and of your love that has redeemed us and gives to us hope each day. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.